You may not be alone. You may not be able to advance, but you can certainly listen to this is the awesome cast. And welcome to the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. I'm Basil. I'm Kevin. I'm Dylan. You know, I am the world's leading Evangelion expert that no one has ever heard of or cares about. And I'm Douglas. And that's us. Something I've been doing and slowly training my my, my young six month old puppy Ida. A, we were pretty sure that she's a boxer because she likes to flail her arms around. Like she's boxing, and that's actually a a boxer trait. So, but again, she's also a six-month-old puppy, so I've been training her to, to be one to go outside to, to take care of business. And I know a lot of folks will say, you know, like Anna likes to use the words like pee-pee and poo-poo, but when I want my dog to poop, I ask her to go kill chaos. Why? Oh, Why do you okay. do that to me? <laughs> And I'm wondering, A, if it's working, and B, was that a good idea? So, no, no, it wasn't. It was a bad idea. <laughs> or was it a great idea? Anyways, if you want to tell me whether or not it's a good idea or bad idea, head over to our Discord for the Awesome idea. Cast. No, no, no. It's a good idea to go to the Discord to tell me that it was a bad idea. Yes, that is a good idea. Your Discord for everything awesome. That's right. That is right. And if you need a Patreon for everything awesome, we've got that too. Don't forget, at the $20 level, you commit for a few months, you can tell Kevin what to eat. Yes. That's right. Awesome <laughs> Patreon. Your Patreon. Responsibility. <laughs> awesome Patreon. Your Patreon for making other people suffer. <laughs> That's right. Including, you know, watching hentai. Yeah, yeah. If we start making 500 bucks a month, we'll have to start reviewing hentai. And I I am here for it. And again, Dylan, you don't have to be. That... Now, if we get a thousand a month. <laughs> Dylan still probably won't do it. I don't know that there's a, a number we can attach for Dylan's going to be like, ah, you know what? I... I feel like me and Kevin could just review hentai, just like without a monetary incentive. <laughs> yeah, Possibly, I feel like but that's beside the point. I would probably feel obligated, but I I don't even know that we've just at, at like the thousand dollar mark. But I don't even know that we've discussed like how the Patreon would get split up at that point, and whether I would, you know, like I wouldn't be might not be getting anything. I assume it would so, go out in order of need. Yeah, but e- even so, like, ah, well, you know, I, I will <laughs> who, let the, who the needs other people. This hentai do that. money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have my own hentai money. Thank you very much. Ooh. Okay. I would shout outs to Hell uh, in Bed. 
There's a lot of stuff before they realize that they weren't supposed to put plots in it or, you know, use real voice actors or directors for it that I would actually love to talk about unironically, but uh, that's a whole other issue. Oh gosh, I was watching I was watching a recent production and I forget what it was called. I forget what it was called, but uh it was like this was clearly somebody's baby. Like somebody thought that this was the greatest story that they needed to tell and to put out into the world. And it was just really, really important to the plot that these that these magical uh these ma- these magical warriors against the demon kind also be dick girls like it, it, it is a part <laughs> well i mean obviously but that's <laughs> uh but it was surprisingly well produced speaking of things surprisingly well produced let's move on to our moments of awesome <laughs> it's a moment of awesome Kevin? You're forcing me to try to follow up on Dick Girls. Uh, <laughs> it's an uh, escape from that conversation. It's a <laughs> moment of Dick Girls. It could I'm be sorry, moments Dylan, of dinosaurs. It could sorry. be moments of dinosaurs. But, but just because, honestly, I'm a little limited. In, I, I actually kind of struggle with something for a moment of awesome this episode. Uh, but I decided I wanted to tell everybody about Get a Robo Arc, which is currently uh, a currently running anime series. Uh, you can stream it through High Dive. Uh, there are a few episodes into the English dub at this point, I think, as well as having eight or nine, I forget, episodes subtitled. And it, uh, it is a continuation of the convoluted and confusing Get a Robo saga that has had several anime and manga adaptations that are sometimes unclearly connected to each other. <laughs> and this Get a show Robo. expects you. Do what? I hardly know her. <laughs> yeah. And this show sort of expects you to have an encyclopedic knowledge of Getter. Although, honestly, I'll tell you, you just need to know the dinosaurs were bad. Now they're not so bad. And Getter Rays are green, and they make your robot work, but are also probably bad. And that if you want to pilot a giant robot that runs on Getter Rays, you need to be an absolute madman. All and, right, uh, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm good then. I should be able to do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you get three guys. They got three little jet planes. They combine into three different robot configurations. One of them's half dinosaur, like you do. <laughs> That is super badass. And they are fighting uh, mysterious alien invaders who are out to destroy the threat of Earth to the rest of the universe. <laughs> Finally! Somebody know, had right? to do it. Uh, but, uh, although not created by Guy, despite a little bit of misinformation, uh, Get a Robo, created by the late, great Ken Ishikawa, has a very Gonagai-esque style and has the... Uh, just some wild, over-the-top, ultra-manly, thick, dark-line-drawn, like, badass heroes who are, like, somehow weirdly wholesome, even though they're crazy, hyper-masculine madmen. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know how it works out. It just does. And you get awesome robot stomping action. And, uh, you know, there's some dinosaurs in there. It takes a little while, but there's a whole city of dinosaur people. 
if you want some just genuinely over-the-top action stupid robot times in a way that Ava rejects you for hoping you'll get, <laughs> um, get a robo's fun uh, to uh, detox from your, you know, oh, th- uh, life is making me think too hard about real things problems. <laughs> Dylan, give us a moment of awesome. I played Final Fantasy 1 Pixel Remaster uh, recently, and it is great. Oh, great. I'm glad to hear that. So I played, because I'm an old man, I played like the first Final Fantasy was my first Final Fantasy. I think we covered this in the Carbuncle Chronicle, like the first yes, episode. Same, same here. The remaster isn't like, it's it's very subtle. It's not like going to blow you away necessarily but it's mm-hmm. really really good there's a lot of nice graphical touches uh that they add to it the music isn't like we were talking earlier the music isn't like a full orchestration but it's definitely like an upgrade from nes music like it's it's really really nice and like the I would even argue it's like a step up from like Super Nintendo. I think it's like PlayStation One level music. Like it's pretty, pretty good orchestrations. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, and I'm pretty sure it's recorded live too. So it's not like just digital. Like it's, it's really, really nice. It, if you played the early Final Fantasies, it's that nice, you know, nostalgic comfort food where um, you can probably go through the game without having to look up very much. Like I think I had to look up two or three things. It's it's significantly easier. There's it's less grindy than the original was. So I forget how long it took me to play through it, but it wasn't it wasn't tough at all. Like in in some cases, I felt like I was over leveled without doing a whole lot of grinding, and some of the boss fights were anticlimactic, but it wasn't it wasn't the huge commitment i was kind of afraid of afraid it was going to be mm-hmm. um and it's got some nice like the pacing is really good like you have there's an auto battle system that will re-enter your last combat command that kind of speeds everything up and and kind of gets you through the menu scrolling yeah, like a lot of just the just the the standard fights that you run into. Yeah. Man, it's just a it's really good and I imagine you know, if if Final Fantasy 1 isn't your thing, that if the quality, you know, if it's the same quality as there in the uh, 4 or 6 pixel remaster and you remember those, you're definitely going to like them. I would also remind you, Dylan, that Final Fantasy V is excellent. And if you've never really gave it a shot, if, again, like you said, this would be probably a perfect time to try it out. Yeah. Okay, I I have a question about it. Uh, Given that I I played the original Final Fantasy and I really, really loved it, it's, it's the Final Fantasy that I began with and I just sat there like so much time with it. But I, I noticed that as it goes on, they keep remastering to make it more and more like Final Fantasy five and six, like the later, the later pixel version of the games. Um, and they keep like in introducing like 3d models. Like, does it, ha- does it have that or is it back to like pixel graphics? And well, it's back to pixel graphics. 
and they've actually dialed back the changes from even yes. the Game Boy Advance version because the Game Boy Advance version actually rebalanced things to give you MP totals and things. Whereas oh. in this version actually gives you your straight up spell slots. Oh, like that's what oh, I yeah. want. You did in the spell first slot. one. It just looks really nice and sounds really good. And as a counterpoint to Dylan, like I just started playing this game on stream today, twitch.tv slash it's basil time. Um, <laughs> and I was surprised at the teeth the game still had. Cause mm-hmm. while Garland didn't quite knock me down, <laughs> like 10 minutes later, I fought two undead and had a total party kill. Oh, yeah. because they paralyzed my entire group before I could run away and I couldn't fight back and they just destroyed me. And then I fell into a hole into the marsh cave and I got a little bit too full of myself thinking I could handle things, went too deep and also died again and lost like 30 minutes of progress. Yeah. Now you still feel the Ultima roots in it's... Final Fantasy one. <laughs> so when I played through, I made sure to hit every treasure chest. I don't, I don't think I explored like every bit of every map, but I, I tried to hit every, every treasure chest and you, yeah, it didn't start out super easy. I did have some difficulty early on, but I think before I even fought the first fiend, mm-hmm. it was just like, you know, I felt like I was over leveled. I felt like, I didn't have to worry that much about money, which again, it's, that's not a criticism. Like I don't want this to be the dark souls of final fantasy. I want to have that nice bit of nostalgia and a little bit of difficulty, but I don't want it just like consuming all my time. Cause I constantly TPK. <laughs> that said, that's why they're making final fantasy origins where you can play as Eminem, and he's going to kill chaos. Hopefully my dog did not hear me just say that. Um, <laughs> oh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, the Final Fantasy 1 Pixel Remaster. And, no, I think it's very much right up Doug's alley. It really feels like they tried to take the first one to feel... To look nice and sound nice enough, but bring the gameplay, drag it back, but still have it updated enough that it sort of feels like the game you played when you were young. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's I, what you... I, I definitely need to get a hold of that. Um, I just, I just notice. Uh, I have, I have, I keep having a thought, but it keeps escaping me. <laughs> uh, go to Dylan. It sounded like you had a thought. Oh, I was going to say, you, you mentioned that there weren't any 3D models. Like, there's definitely some sort of lighting effects, it seems like, they've added in places. Um, well, that, or... well, that could be okay, because one of the reasons, like, it needed the pixel remaster was because the original pixels were designed to be on a CRT monitor. Yes. And they took uh, the blurring into effect that happens, and so, like, you actually lose image definition by moving it onto high definition when it comes to pixels. Yeah. The effects though are really, really subtle. And and so I think it's, I, I remember, I think I've heard someone say that like, if you want to make an eight bit game now based 
you know, that will make people feel like it's an 8-bit game. What you really need to target is like a 16-bit Super NES game mm-hmm. because our memories aren't that good. And it's it's very much in that vein where yeah. you don't go, oh, this is a modern game, but it's it's definitely way, way past what the NES would actually do or even the SNES in some cases. Excellent. But, but things that are from the past but not nearly that far in the past, we finally got on the Switches and the PS4s and apparently also Windows, but we finally got in the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, which is a basis of 2015 and 2017 3DS games that we finally got that were in Japan, finally in America, finally localized in one convenient package from Capcom. You play as Ryunosuke Nahurohodo. He gets it. He is a young, young man who is, uh, he was about to start his college studies and ends up becoming a very young lawyer. He is the, uh, the great, 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 great granddad of Phoenix Wright. And, it's it's been a trip. It's been wonderful. I am so glad to have an Ace Attorney game. And man, boy is Herlock Sholmes such <laughs> the world's smartest himbo. <laughs> he is. Uh, and they had to call him Herlock Sholmes and not Sherlock Holmes because he has too much heart and emotion. So if they used his actual name in America, they'd get sued. Just like, you know, um, oh, what's his name? Witcher, he, Superman guy. He played a Sherlock Holmes and an Oled Holmes. And he was just too likable. They couldn't let him. Yeah. He, they had to get sued. Sherlock Holmes didn't get likable till the books that are still protected under copyright. <laughs> yes. Yes. And boy is Sherlock Holmes. He is so, so likable and just so stupid at the same time, but also so smart, but so stupid. Well, it's thank Maurice LeBlanc for giving us the alias <laughs> Herlock <laughs> Schlomes when he wrote Lupin versus Sherlock Holmes and had to change the name because Arthur Conan Doyle sued. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, it's so good. And man, him and... So in the second chapter, spoilers, you meet Shlomes and Nahurhodo, like, he's got his issues going on and he discovers that Herlock, he gets very close to the right, like, he's very good at being perceptive and in making deductions. He just gets his targets wrong. And so you have to go in to fix the targets and what comes out it, it acts like like a stage play with like spotlights and they're just snapping here and there towards each other and they're and they're working together to to figure out what the actual proper deductions that that herlock should be making and they're they're just so into each other <laughs> like they're just so into each other i 
like even like the female like sidekick for for Inosuke, she's like y'all are y'all are really into this. Y'all are really into this. And Rinos is like, no, no, no. It's just, but just the way that they're, they're snapping and put the spotlights on things. And it's like, they're literally finishing each other's sentences because that's the whole point. It's, it's a, it's a very entertaining graphical visual novel adventure game. It's just a lot of fun. Also, you know, it's, it's a really good testament on how much the Japanese think the British thought they were so stupid back in the day. <laughs> because, you know, once once our, our Japanese lawyer and, and his friend, they get to Britain, all, all the British folks are like, y'all are just a bunch of yokels. Why are you here? And it's, <laughs> it's, no, it's a good time. It's also, I think, like only like 40 bucks and you get both the games as a collection. So it's, it's, it's a blessing. I really, really, really enjoy the great Ace Attorney Chronicles. The only downside is that when I sit down to play it on to on a TV, my dog decides that's the time we need to play with the rope instead. Only downside. And frankly, that's not a big downside. <laughs> I'm glad she likes that rope. She she really likes that rope. She really likes that rope. Like she is like that rope started to fray a little bit here and there. Like it's Good, it's a rope. It's what it's supposed to do. Yeah, but that brings me to the question, Doug. What are other things supposed to do? Okay, so you guys both talked about something very, very old. Like... Like 2015. So old. So old. So old. I, on the other hand, am going to talk about something very, very new. It's so new that I didn't realize that I watched it the day it came out, I think. And so I've been <laughs> having this uphill battle to get all of you to watch it because I eventually want to do a podcast about it. Like, I eventually just want to have that be the subject of an awesome cast is Centaur World. Centaur World! <laughs> yeah! Uh, I love Centaur World. It's so awesome and amazing and you all need to go watch it and when you're watching it you're going to see you're going to be watching it and you're going to go well that's a mood shift just keep going just keep going just keep trucking (laughs) along and then you're going to continue trucking along and you're going to take that that wild tonal shift and stride and just keep going with it and you're going to go what the hell am i watching and just keep watching it pays off trust me the payout is huge i cannot understate how fantastic and amazing this show is every day i ask people if who are nearest and dearest to me if they've watched it yet and i'm disappointed by how often people tell me no they haven't but i'm very pleased by the people who have uh and i i was so excited about it that i couldn't wait uh, for us to do an awesome cast about it, I had to talk to somebody, so I ended up talking about it in our Discord. And so, what I need to say is, you need to you need to stick it out until the tree shamans. Once you get to the tree shamans, you'll know if you love this show or if you cannot stand this show. And I love this show. This is some high whimsy nonsense. Uh bundled in a wonderful like car okay where do i need to start 
You need to start by telling people they need to get goddamn vaccinated so my <laughs> wife isn't stuck working till midnight every goddamn night so yes, she can come that is home. exactly where we need to start. So we can freaking watch Centaur World. <laughs> yes. You know what's awesome? Vaccines. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Vaccines are so fucking awesome. We basically don't have measles anymore, and it's because of vaccines. We eliminated smallpox, and it's because of vaccines. Uh, Despite what uh, you read on the internet, the COVID vaccines are still really, really good. Well, also, they have been developed, they have, like, the people who sit there go, uh, they came out with it too fast. That's not actually true. They've been developing a vaccine for uh, coronaviruses for like the past 10 years. It's what a lot of uh, of medical research has been going into in the pa- uh, in, into the in the past 10 years. And you know, we really just when the coronavirus hit, it gave us a specific strain of corona to to focus on. And that is what the COVID vaccine is. And it's good and people should get it. And I had a really bad reaction but I still think people should get it because I'm pretty sure that if I had actually gotten the real COVID, I would have died. So on that happy note, John, what's awesome? I recently played through the Tales of Arise demo on PS5. It's also on PS4. It's a it's an interesting game. The demo gives you a pretty broad cross-section of things you can do. You've got a full party. You can do some of the crafting and cooking elements. There are the little side conversations that are a hallmark of the tale series. It has a interesting uh, theme. I don't oh. love all the character designs, but the combat is really, really good. Does it have a uh, raven? No, it does not. Aww. To my knowledge. At least in the demo, there is no raven. Aww. I mean, it looks really good, though. Well, I mean, it's a Tales game, I assume so. But the demo is about 30 minutes, uh, although, it, you know, you can obviously stretch that out if you want to just mess around in the uh, area that the demo provides. Um, but if if you're into action JRPGs, it's worth checking out. How does the combat compare to previous Tales games? It's... It's pretty similar. It it feels like that, you know, Tales, Star Ocean. Okay. You know, you've you've got spells mapped to singular buttons, and you know, there's air abilities and ground abilities that are different. Uh, there's a, you know, kind of a bayonetta-ish dodge mechanic where you know the the combat slows down a little bit if you time a dodge uh, correctly. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a pretty robust system. Um, you can swap out between the six different characters and mess around with them. I enjoyed the mage, uh, which you know usually I'm more more of like a sword type, but the 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 male lead is just <laughs> I, I'm just not into the character design of the male lead at all. Okay, now I'm going to have to look up what the male character design looks like to see what you're talking about. I mean, about. It, it's just, it's not for me, okay? It's just not for me. Oh. Like, he'd make a pretty decent black mage. Oh. Yeah, he... Huh. Interesting. 
I noticed that the the female lead is wearing some kind of like white magey looking stuff. Yeah, she has a gun. She uh-huh. she does have healing ability, so yeah, she's on you know on type for that. Um, well, I mean, you put you put a lady in red and white, and it makes me think of white mage. Like it's right, but. <laughs> Yeah, the the main dude, you know, apparently starts out wearing like a full metal mask, <laughs> um, and so what we see is like the 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 after effects of having that mask partially broken, and so it just looks weird. Well, maybe by the end of it, he won't be wearing one. Well, I mean, maybe, but I don't know. That would be cool. I don't know. It just looks weird. It looks weird to me. But don't don't let that run you off. Yeah, you know, judge for yourself. You may enjoy it. Uh, I think it looks awesome. I'm going to play it someday. <laughs> next month, I think. Yay. Yeah, next next month the full the full game comes out. Yay! And then, like a week or two later, lost judgment because apparently Bandai and Sega hate me, and now I feel pressure to play two games versus one. Also, screw you, Johnnies, if I never get a third Judgment game. Just screw you to <laughs> hell and back, Johnnies. You're a crappy talent agency, and I don't like you. <laughs> but you know what I do like? Avas and Gillians. <laughs> so, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back. We're going to continue the awesome of Ava. We're talking about... The Rebuild Movies 1.11 and 2.22 will be right back. So, we're talking about the rebuild of Evangelion movies, 1.1, and as well as 2.22. But before we start getting into that sort of thing, I did want to ask Doug the question I asked the rest of us in our first episode, which is, how did you get into Ava? Well, kind of around about the time I was first getting into anime, just kind of in general, was around about the time that I think the DV not the DVDs, but the VHS tapes were releasing in America. I may have that timing off somewhat, but I remember every time I walked into Suncoast Video, like, and I went to the anime section, there was a huge, like, display of Ava. It was, it was kind of ubiquitous, really. Like, you couldn't be into anime and not, have listened to everybody talking about the latest release of Ava, and I remind you that back then, for an American fan, the latest release meant like a VHS tape that had two episodes on it that was released like every three to six months. Like it was, it was a slow process doling that out. 
But yeah, it was ubiquitous. It was everywhere. If you were in the anime at all, people were talking about it. And there was this one guy I dated who was super into Ava. He was so into Ava that it almost turned me off of Ava. He was so into it. Um, I'm sorry, okay? Jeez, it was a long time ago. <laughs> it wasn't you. <laughs> was it? Jeez, oh, okay. My bad. No, it wasn't you. Uh, but no, you, you watch it and you watch it and you're only watching it one episode at a time. You're only watching it two episodes at a time. And so after every two episodes, everybody kind of sits and dwells on it and talks about it. Like, did you see the latest episodes? What do you think is going on? Like, I can remember there was this whole mythology about what was going on in Ava that would then later get debunked as more episodes came out. But it was stuff that, like, people had pinned, like, massive elaborate fan fictions that were that took months to write. Um, <laughs> the, one of the big things I remember about Ava was were, were people talking about how, oh, you just don't get Ava. And I have to admit... I get attracted to that kind of conversation a lot. Things that get a reputation of, oh, you don't understand it. It's so complex. I get really attracted to that because I generally like to think that I understand things pretty well. Um, I really like breaking down story structure and I really like looking at uh, the kind of reoccurring themes that show up in stories. And Ava had just none of that. <laughs> Uh, it had just none of that in it. Like, n these days, it, it is what made a lot of the tropes that we think of as pretty standard. But, again, Ava is what, is really what made them. I mean, the question, how did I get into Ava, is, is sort of just keeps coming back around to how could you not be into Ava? It was it was everywhere. It was the best anime that everybody was coming out talking about and it engaged you psychologically in a way that I was not used to cartoons engaging with you. Uh, it, it touched upon very, very serious themes. Ava also was the first time I ever saw a non-Christian take on Christianity. Does, does that make any sense? Sure. Like how it's viewed from the outside, considering that where we live, like it's, it's the water we're swimming in basically. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> you know, I, I grew up in, in, I grew up here in Huntsville, Alabama, which is progressive compared to the rest of Alabama, but, you know, we're not progressive enough that that people... We're not a, we're not a progressive city. Yeah, we're, we're not... Yeah. We're not exactly a progressive city. And Christianity is so pervasive down here that people will still, to this day, ask you, oh, well, what church do you go to? Expecting you to say one of the later ones. And... You know, I can kind of get them to stop asking by going, uh, my last name is... <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, so... So I've just... I grew up in this... Just deeply Christian... Backdrop. 
and then to finally see something that talked about the mythology that is associated with Christianity. And I want to be very clear when I say that, because I know a lot of people take offense to the term mythology of Christianity. I'm not actually talking about the Jesus part of it. I'm talking about uh, the angels and the Adam and Eve kind of stuff. It, this, the stuff that really is more like mythology compared to uh, compared to the rest of it. That's a good point, because it feels like... Like, it, it actually deals more with the Kabbalah than anything else, and it was it, it was my first exposure to Kabbalah. Yeah, one, it, it's going to be stuff that you don't normally experience, or that I think around here, if you'd experienced that, it would have seemed almost pagan or something. Like, I, I feel like people in the South would be like, well, that's not Christianity, that seems like something else. But well, it's also taking those forms and stripping them away from any sort of meaning. So, like, I imagine when we all first watched that, like, there was more of a sense of, like, this seems sacrilegious, whereas now it's kind of like, well, no, they're using the form of that. They're using this as, like, a design choice, but just the design choice itself isn't like blasphemous if that makes sense right well and i i uh, the better way to put it is is it's the first introduction i ever had to uh, to K kabbalah and you know the whole like naming of angels and and that kind of thing it it, it just it just threw me for a complete intellectual loop and so I guess that's my beginning. Like, uh, you know, now that now that I'm older and I have studied a wide variety of religions throughout the world, uh, I have a lot of other notes that I took on Ava this time around. But I'll I'll get to that later because I do want to circle back around to the deeply religious connection that Ava does have. Like, I don't think it's just window dressing that. It's not just window dressing that they they call the that they call the monsters angels and all that. There is like very tangible. They're drawing parallels that are meaningful, but we can get into that when we get into the meat of it. I think that's probably a little bit more than Basil wanted when he asked me how did I get into it. Well, that's much like Ava. There's always more than you might be expecting. <laughs> And, like, and the, I only and the thought thing you she passively might like... liked. I only thought you passively liked Ava. I didn't know you had like all this. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I, I knew you had all this. I had forgotten whether or not you could restrain yourself before you start getting into it. No, no, I can't. Right. <laughs> so, John, John, I, before we move on, though, I want to hear what John thinks of my little diatribe. Uh, Too late. Th yeah, that sounds. It, it... <laughs> It tracks. How's that? It tracks. <laughs> because before we even get into the movies, frankly, the stories on how these movies got made could frankly be its own production. Because well, as far as I was aware, it has been its own production several times, hasn't it? Like there's there's several other works of of anime and manga and and Japanese literature that are basically derivative off of Anno is a little bit crazy and a genius and this well, is the stories of other people around him. 
sure, but specifically, I'm talking about the story of Studio Kara. Okay. Because the Ava is now not owned by Gynex at all, not really. It's now owned by Studio Kara, which in Greek means joy. So make that of, of it as you will. And we really didn't realize that up until 2007, when Anno started releasing a statement about these new movies, where he goes, this ain't Gynax no more. Now it's Studio Kara. Which is all the good people from Gynax who didn't go make Studio Trigger. <laughs> well, and it, it turns out, like, you know, uh, just a couple of years ago, because, look, part of Gynax is that it had really, really, really great creators and really, really, really terrible management. Mm-hmm. It's pretty <laughs> much the, true. the Studio Gynax story from the moment it was founded till now. Well, not now because you don't have the creators anymore. Um, not really. Just the terrible management. <laughs> yeah. And now the multiple shell companies that com- that that comprise it, where there was this guy named uh, Tomohiro Maki who was arrested for various things of uh, alleged acts of quasi forcible indecency. Anyways, essentially, Ano was the face of Gainax, but was never actually running Gainax. He just wanted to make his animated productions and they were always at the verge of shutting down until neon Genesis Evangelion became a thing. And suddenly the lightning struck and it became a money generator. Like it just, you know, became huge. And in fact, it became so huge that nobody actually knew what to do with the money they were getting in. And so they apparently even had to renegotiate things with King Records, who was one of the primary producers on the production side, to make sure that maybe some of the folks working on Ava would actually get some of that money. And But Gynax started setting up merch deals and this and that, but the production staff never really saw any of it. And eventually, Anno got fed up and left. And... He kept trying to do other things, and but apparently he, everything he was thinking of, he was like, ah, oh, this just, I think I just want to make Ava again. Well, that's, wait, why don't I just make Ava again? Why don't I just do that? And so he got to work. He formed a whole new studio called Kara to start productions on things, and... I'll link to this post on any news network about this thing about falling out with Gynax. It's it's a whole story. And essentially, Kara now owns Ava. Gynax is now just a whole bunch of different shell corporations. And no one's really quite sure who owns what. Not really. Except they did sell FLCL, I think, to Production IG. Anywho, from now on, when you see Ava... Especially these real world movies, you now see Studio Kara, not Gynax. That stated, Ava 1.11, You Are Not Alone, is 
in a lot of ways, a very, very good recap movie. Yeah. It is. You could be forgiven of just going, well, this is just the first six-ish episodes of Ava. That is... Okay, you guys have the benefit of you actually had the time to watch, to rewatch the series recently, and I had to bail out because I didn't have the time to rewatch the series uh, recently. So, yeah, I just watched it, and I definitely had the thought of this is there this is pretty much just a recap of the the first couple the first like half or whatever of the series um i didn't see any major major differences I there, there, there are a, there are a few but they're subtle now everything oh, is um redone from scratch of course this is I, like this is not this is not stock notes, footage i have notes of what i noticed well, that was different, but I I think I have to wait to spoilers to start making those yeah. comments. Yeah, that that would probably be the best. Yeah, but. so I'm I'm gonna wait. So yeah, there are some subtle differences enough that somebody who was pretty who was pretty into Ava back in the day, but maybe hasn't seen it in a long time, might sit there and question things. But it it, it follows a familiar pattern. If you you know if you've seen it the TV series. It follows a familiar pattern. There's some more details. There's some interesting background elements that you might think is for flavor. New um, production. The way, Cer- uh... Certain storylines were greatly trimmed or streamlined for the sake of brevity. Yeah. I, I feel like that's generally true. Like Making it a movie. Yeah. A whole movie instead of like a series of discrete episodes you can kind of put the weight and the focus on things that you couldn't put them on as easily in, you know, a series of that's broken up into 30 minute episodes. Uh, there was still lots of that good nineties anime, anime shtick. <laughs> like I, I would see like, especially in like in the more domestic scenes, I would see like that stuff happened, and I go, and I kind of cringe and go, "Oh God, the '90s, that happened." <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, the one in particular that I wrote like several notes about. Like, there's two scenes that stood out in my head as being like, "Oh, that's that's hardcore '90s anime, like just just stuff happening." Like, that's that's for the otaku to laugh at. Okay, so the scene when Shinji has just moved in to his new apartment and they're doing the thing with Masato and the beer cans covering up Shinji's naked body. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that is such, yeah. I saw that in so many nineties anime. <laughs> and then, you know, there's the classic scene where he, like Shinji trips a lot in this movie. I don't know if you guys noticed how much he trips. Uh, and every <laughs> time he trips, his hand lands on a boob. You would think he would just learn to catch himself some other way. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Shinji was real torn up about all the times he fell down and caught the feel of someone. Well, he keeps like acting like he was he was upset by it, but he keeps doing it. In reality, this sounds like a way to seriously hurt someone. <laughs> like a human body is not is not the ideal thing to catch a fall on. So, but yeah. I kind of felt like when they were doing that that it was like they were replaying the hits. Like, this is the thing that everybody screen caps out of the anime, so we're going to put it back in the movie. 
Yeah, I I almost like I didn't make a lot of notes when I went back and rewatched the first movie just because I've seen the series enough times and I think I've seen the movie I'd seen the movie more than once at that point that I was just like, yeah, 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 I know all that stuff. Like I it's it's entirely predictable to a certain extent. Yeah, I would agree that especially the first movie it goes out of its way in many respects to to lull you into having good expectations for the future. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is very true, especially cuz um I Okay. My memory is very off on this. My memory is not what it used to be. But I seem to remember that they did a movie that was basically... Like, they did two movies that was basically just recapping the series and then end of Ava. Um, they they did... Okay. So it was released here in the U.S. as Death and Rebirth. Yes! Uh, that's, first... it, that's what they were called. Thank you! The first portion of it is a... Yeah, basically a... a what is it like a hour 90 minutes something like that recap of the tv series no it's uh, like it's not even it's maybe an hour and some change yeah like 45 minutes or something it's, it's not long but it's a yeah. it's a very abbreviated version of the tv series followed by the first what is it 30 minutes of indeveva <laughs> yeah which uh <laughs> I, i'll tell you 2000 what was that 2001 2002 that was an interesting time in my life because uh you know i was still waiting for end of ava to to drop uh oh, here in the u.s bastard. so it was like man how many how many times did i watch the first you know 30 fucking minutes because it ends right where uh the production model avas are revealed for the first time right <laughs> right then is where it where it drops off so yeah that was that was a bit of waiting and yeah. you can actually watch essentially the recap bit it's called like true squared it's it's on netflix along with the tv show and end of Ava. yes and it will also be included in the uh the blu-ray set that g kids is releasing yeah so the fact that the beginning of the movie was so similar to the TV series kind of lulled me into this false sense of security where mm -hmm. I think I was trusting it to actually follow the plot line of the original series too much, and I was expecting it to just be yet another retelling of Ava. So when it started throwing me the curveballs, I became very curious. Oh yeah, I think you ask on the Discord immediately, like, this is the next movie, right? <laughs> I did. Uh, the jump between... I'm still just talking about 1.11 right now, like 2.22. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it threw me for such a loop that the beginning of 2.22 that I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This happens significantly later, but it's happening now. But, yep. <laughs> but wait, when did... I, I am really sad that, and maybe I'll be proven wrong later, I don't know, that we never got the Shinji Asuka DDR yeah. episode in the movies. Yeah. yeah. That, well, that, mm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was, I felt, I kept, I kept waiting for that scene, and 
uh, again, I'll, I'll, we're talking about the first movie right now. I'll talk about that when we talk about the second movie. Well, in general, though, I think the first and second movies, even though they cut things out, like even the first movie cuts some of the angels out and reorders them. But I feel like it it still hits the same beats, yes. right? Like you don't get the DDR episode, but you get some things that kind of hit those same story beats without spending a whole episode on it. And I do think like the movies do a better job of expanding some other bits, like the times where Shinji runs off. Those seem to, to get a little more detail than they do in the series. You see a lot more shots of just like landscape crowds. You, you, you know, the nerve cafeteria at one point, like you get this sense of, how this affects ordinary people. It's not just our main characters. If so. you hear me rustling around, it's because I actually counted how many times Shinji gotten the robot in the first movie. It's, it's not that many. Uh, well, well, it's six. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He gets it's in six. six times. Three times he gets in willingly. Twice, he has to be, like, an extended convincing to get in the robot. Uh, and one time, it's actually just a simulator of the robot. It's not actually the real robot, so I didn't know whether to count that or not. But those are the six times in 1.11 that Shinji gets into the robot. And so he actually does get into the robot a lot more often than I thought he got into the robot. It's just the part is he refuses to right at the most critical times. <laughs> it's I mean, consistently when you need him to get in the robot. He's not. Is I mean, that a spoiler or, or is that something so well known about Ava by now that it's, I, mean, I feel like I mean, that's kind of well known. Yeah, again, like, but that that's where the big story beats in the series are, too. So it uh -huh. kind of makes sense that that happens a lot, especially in a movie that condenses all that down. Honestly, uh. something I keep forgetting about the Ava, Ava in general is that the majority of random girls at school think Shinji's cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I keep forgetting that that, too. He's such a mimetic loser. I forget that, you know, he could actually probably be really popular with a little more confidence. <laughs> yes. I... He has a, he has abandonment issues, rightly so. Uh, we, we've seen that shot of, you know, Shinji crying at the train station 8,000 times. You know, he actually gets two best buds, like, really quick. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Only after one of them punches him in the face twice. Well, yeah. yeah, but that's still really quick that they become friends. <laughs> it's more of a slow burn in the series, as I remember, though. It is. It, it, it is. It is. Uh, you know. Well, in in the movies, they were making comments like, uh, this is the next day, or that was just yesterday that you punched me. So it, like, I think things actually are happening at a much more rapid pace in this movie. Yeah. The the other thing I noticed, like you were talking about how a bunch of girls find him cute. Like, I felt like especially the second movie kind of ramps up the harem aspects of it. And Shinji's still terrified because a lot of these people are, are coming on really strong. 
but I almost feel like that was a an intentional thing, and it's probably not as bad in the original. It's really not, but the sec- the second film has a completely new story arc. Well, several new story arcs that we'll get into. Um, I I feel like Shinji's whole like I feel like Shinji's harem is actually just a projection of the male audience onto the character rather than something the character actually has. Does that make yeah. any sense? I mean, I feel like that's definitely true of the original series in some respects, that these characters become popular, but like they're never really paired explicitly with Shinji. Yeah, well... um, Shinji's still a 15-year-old boy, and he has all kinds of issues. He has all kinds of issues with ladies, and these women all kind of represent, like, different spheres of ladies that he's having issues with. Yeah, and also the movies, especially where the harem aspects pop up in the movies, I feel like the movies are very... I don't know how to put this. Like, they're very aware of the original series and what grew up around the original series. Right. Yeah. um, On that note, I kind of, one of the things I want to talk about. So in this new movie, well, I say new movie, it's several years old too at this point, isn't it? It's like 15 (laughs) years old almost. Yeah. Yeah. But boy, does it look good. It looks so goddamn good. good. Um, Well, okay. So, I noticed they used, uh, I noticed this thing. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, okay. They totally use CG to do all, like, the infinite machinery scenes. Like, the scenes were, like, they're just, like, popping machine, like, machine after machine after machine into slot and f- and flipping switches well, and... Like all, all I... the, uh, you know, silly geofront pieces yeah. you know where the buildings move up and down yeah, yeah. they they well, clearly use cg to make those uh and they did a very they did a very good job like the cg looks very like smooth and meshes with the 2d animation really really well but i still think that the fact that the it was done in C- cg makes the sheer vastness the sheer enormity of it less impressive than when it was still all self-drawn I noticed some of that and I felt like I felt like where they use CGI and you know again this is CGI had been used a lot by that time but it wasn't where it is now well, and I wonder this if is, this is clearly like a demonstration of correct use of CGI like this is good yeah I just still feel like because it was CGI it wasn't as impressive as when it was all hand drawn right and I, but I I think the other side of that is they picked out things that were very, like, they were polygons, right? Yeah, yeah. They fit that so that you didn't have these weird shots of CGI being used, like, trying to do too much with CGI and it just looks wrong. I also noticed that while they did that with the machinery on, like, the angels and stuff, they also did a lot with, like, cranes and building a equipment and trains and stuff like that and and like i said it really gives this the feeling of 
this is a big city that's that's sprung up around this project site you know and it's it's got a lot of people there and and there's more going on than just our our heroes that we know about yes uh i do agree with that and i weirdly enough feel like I feel like the it, the city felt like it got more and more populated as the as the movie went on, and I don't know if that was intentional or not, or just me noticing things that aren't there. No, I like I said, I I feel like it it was intentional that they fleshed that out, and it makes sense. Like, um, I mean, obviously, some of the stuff that happens in the movies takes a ton of people to do, mm-hmm. and you know you'd have to have those people all nearby all traveling around you know going to work and and going to school also initially when the i don't know if this is maybe too literal but when the movie starts it's during the initial angel attack and everyone's in shelters except for shinji <laughs> that's because shinji's on a booty call <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, Look, by anyone who's ever seen that picture of Misato that that she sent to him, he's clearly there for for beauty. When yeah, Sailor Moon tells you, when <laughs> Sailor Moon tells you you need to get there, you get there. She's like, "Yo, check out my cleavage," and it's like, "Ah, okay, is this is this how this is going down?" That moment where you wonder, did Misato think Shinji was older than he was when it started this? <laughs> what an extremely normal thing to send to a child. <laughs> I actually interpreted it as a demonstration of Misato not actually having great people skills herself. Like, uh, yes. actually being really immature. Yes, this that, is what that the is, kids uh... think are cool, right? <laughs> yes, Misato has trouble relating to anyone uh, in a way that is not uh, latently sexual. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, let's... I never said it in the last podcast, but I will still never get over the Japanese voice actors of Misato and Shinji, or Sailor Moon and Sailor Uranus, respectively. <laughs> oh, gosh. I had a problem. So I watched it dubbed because there's just so much going on on the screen in Ava. Like, I've always watched Ava dubbed, not because it was the first one that I was exposed to. I was actually exposed to the subtitle first. Uh, I always ended up watching the dub because, again, there's just so much happening on the screen that you... Like, I, I can't... Even though at this point in my life I know Japanese pretty well, again, there's just so much going on and so much that happens that you need to you need to look at it while it's happening. And... And so that is why I've always preferred the dub for Ava. But this dub... And that's not even to mention how much Anno loves sticking shit on screen for a third of a second. Yeah. He loves that shit. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm pretty sure Wild that, like, people... the number of times that, like, Shinji uh, started developing, like, an extra set of lines around him... Is probably on purpose, but I'm not sure what that purpose is just yet. I have a feeling the third movie will answer to me why he's doing that. Um, it absolutely will not. Let me go ahead and spoil <laughs> that for you right now. Did you say an extra set of lines around him? 
yeah, like, yeah. A lot of times when he's in the Ava and when he's piloting the Ava, right, uh, right before he does something with the Ava, uh, as he's kind of gearing up, you you'll see like his lines will start to go all wonky, and it's not. It's not just speed lines. It's not just uh, a, a motion blur. It's like actually like there's something's going on with the lines, and but I'm all but I'm like 100 percent sure that that was a distinct artistic choice, and I'm but I'm not sure what it means. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it could be a stylistic choice of just somehow reinforcing how weird you know being in an Ava is. Yeah. Without necessarily, because yeah, John's right. I, I I don't think anything that happens answers that question. No, not a single thing. <laughs> or any, I, or I any am, other question. I am so looking forward to the next episode that we do on 3.33. It's, it's one of my favorite things. It really is. I cannot <laughs> wait to talk about it. Well, we need to take a break and resume talking with spoilers because we're already almost we're 90 minutes into there. this episode. So <laughs> we, we, we need to go. So we're going to go, but we're going to be right back for y'all. It's just going to be a musical interlude, but we're going to come back with spoilers about 1.11 and 2.22. We're going to get them both. We'll be right back. And we're back with spoilers from now on. All the Ava talk is going to be spoiler talk. You've been warned. Just get on Amazon and watch these movies. At least 1.11 and 2.22 before you start listening to this stuff right now. So, uh, so, like, so a whole, the a Ava whole ass- is his mom. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just, just you get the biggest spoiler out of the way. It, the Ava is it, his mom. It, it's, it's. Anyway, um, I also want to say a whole ass new character literally falls out of the sky. <laughs> We're yes. going to have to have the Mari discussion, I think, based okay. on what we've discussed previous. Evangelion 2.22, there's something about Mari. First, before we get there, let me finish my questions from 1.11. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay. why does... I think this was answered in the original series, and I've just forgotten. But why does... Double zero hate Ray so much. Um, it's never answered. Oh, okay, never answered. Um, all, all the all the Avas have souls in them. Um, yep. Unit zero ostensibly would have another Ray soul. Yeah, or so some something herself? similar to that because Ray, like, while being a genetic clone of Shinji's mom, doesn't have her soul. Right, her soul is inside right. Unit one. Ray is kind of her own thing. So how that whole interaction between Ray and Unit Zero works, it's hard to say, especially given the sort of this has happened a bunch of times vibe that the sh- that the rebuild movies start to present, which is w- one of the things I wanted to bring up, like some of the minor changes in 1.11. 
the first thing that you'll notice between the TV series and 1.11 is that all the seas are red. Now, this makes a little bit more sense if you if you kind of compare like the cataclysmic second impact to the third yeah. impact of End of Ava. It's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But there's also some artistic choices there because the very first thing you see in 1.11 is, is the Red Sea. Yeah, is the Red Sea. And it is a absolute Match. perfect replication to the beginning of the uh, last scene in End of Ava. So it, it's perfectly bookmarking, like, okay, here's where we ended, here's where we started. And if that wasn't enough, like, okay, this is actually a continuation for you. Uh, the Stinger at the end of 1.11, we see Quaru up on the moon for some reason, but there's a big blood streak across <laughs> the moon, which is yeah. 100% um, a reference to End of Evangelion when Lilith slash Ray falls to pieces and a big you know, spray of blood from her neck crosses into the sky and sprays the moon. Um, and also, <laughs> there's like a million other coffins next to Quaru. And uh, yes, I noticed he was in the fourth coffin. That really doesn't mean much of anything. Well, but we original will, we Ava, into, original we Ava, two Ava movies those... and Super Robot Wars. That that's the uh, that's the other. <laughs> we, we will get into the significance of that in a later podcast episode. It will not be tonight, though. Okay. Because yeah. I, I, I wrote down a bunch of, like, questions specifically on this subject. I'm glad you went ahead and just kind of answered them all for and me. Thank yeah. you. They know we want more Kauru action because oh, both God, fingers are Kauru. Oh, God, I want Kauru action so bad. Uh, okay, so did anyone else notice that Lilith looks different? Yes, they gave her a different mask. They also introduced her much, 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 much earlier. Oh, God, so um, much Lil earlier. Lilith's reveal is, like, in the latter third of the series. Yeah. And it's it's Kaji who reveals it to Misato, like, hey, they're hiding something from you. And uh, Kaji mislabels Lilith as being Adam. It's not actually noted that... Uh, the creature is actually Lilith until Quaru does it in episode 24. Now, this is like the nerdiest shit that I'll ever spout out of my mouth. I realize that I have that level of self-awareness, but that's what fucking happens, okay? Um, so here they introduce it. Misato already knows about it. She ta right before the uh, the big, you know, sniper scene at the end of 1.11, she ta you know, Shinji's like, you guys don't fucking get it. I'm in the Ava. You guys are down here safe. Misato's like, you know what? F you know fucking what? Let me show you something. Okay, here's Lilith. <laughs> um, if an angel gets in contact with her, we're all fucked. So we're all in danger here. It's not just you, okay? And, and you know, then he gets in the robot and, you know, so on and yeah. so forth. Yeah. I felt like it was a little bit anticlimactic. Also, I didn't think Lilith looked as cool as she did previously. <laughs> well, well I, no, because um, I I felt like it was a huge plot point that we felt we thought this was Adam, like it was a big deal that this was Adam, and like that's why it was such an epiphany when Quaro got there. I was like, oh, oh, this is Lilith. Oops. Yeah, uh, and, that's and because... then we find out what happened to to Adam and then to Veva. Um, and there's I, so I'm... much more to get revealed in these movie series that Lilith doesn't have to be important anymore. I think that's why <laughs> yeah. they show her so early as of, y'all, this ain't even a thing no more. Don't even worry about it. Like, Lilith, yeah. cool, let's keep going. The series Lilith is, is in the basement. There, it's all you know, cool, dog. You know that stuff. You just want to see the characters react to what's going on. You don't need the big reveal. 
Yeah. yeah d- despite the sort of advertising of 1.11 as like this fresh start that anyone can get into, uh, this movie expects that you fucking know a lot about Evangelion. <laughs> and, and, okay, no, um, I would actually argue that if you actually read like the original thing that Anno posted about this stuff, because yes. he straight up says. Ava is a story that repeats. It's a story where the main character witnesses many horrors with his own eyes, but still tries to stand up again. It is a story of will, a story moving forward, if only just a little. It is a story of fear, where someone who must face indefinite solitude fears reaching out to others, but still wants to try. We hope you look forward to the four new retellings of this story. <laughs> also, I'm, I'm looking at the scene where Lilith is revealed in 1.11, and there is one one great thing about it. That that Doug we can we can talk about is that all the little legs and and the little kicky feet that yes. are sticking out of it. It's fantastic. Oh, I loved it so much. It's fantastic. That's a you know that's a great touch. It's a great great touch for Lilith. Uh, yeah, okay. it reminded me of like it looks like a newer Lilith. Anyways, uh, Doug, continue on. Okay, so who who's that guy that's always next to Gendo? I don't remember him. Uh, Fuyutsuki. Oh, Fuyutsuki. <laughs> oh, okay. Like. Uh, my secret favorite character. No, like, uh, he's like <laughs> always next to Gendo. Like I'm pretty sure they've got something going on there that they're not telling anybody about. But world domination. Yeah, <laughs> we, we too much about else this. going on. Yeah, I was about to say we actually talked about this in the last episode, um, where Fuyutsuki starts out as like, okay, uh, I fucking know what you did, Gendo. I'm gonna I'm gonna take this shit to the press, and then like the next thing you know, um. He finds out that Yui's involved, and he's like, you know what, fuck it, yeah, I'll, I'll join in, whatever. <laughs> so, okay. so so it's not that they really have, like, a thing. It was just like... No, I, I think I think they've got a full-on love affair going right now. They're gay. Uh, okay, okay, <laughs> number number one, there's like... He he could be bi. He, okay, he could well, certainly, he could certainly be you're bi. Right, but... You're right, I keep forgetting that that's a possibility. Yeah, I but, think Gendo doesn't feel, and he just has yeah. all of his affairs to manipulate people. Yeah, yeah that so, seems to be pretty clear. Yeah, Gendo yeah. does like stirring the pot, uh, for, particularly in the Akagi family. He, uh, you know, he's, he's dipped his spoon into a couple of bowls, if you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Okay, uh, so one thing that I noticed, I feel like a point that the movie was trying to make on the down low... And I don't know if this is just because uh, this is where I'm at. Because that's a thing about Ava, is that Ava tends to reflect what you've got going on in your head back at you. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a trait of the series and why it's a masterwork. But anyway, so the point that I feel the movie was trying to make is that all this effort that everybody keeps doing to try to motivate Shinji is kind of what leads him and what fuels his existential meltdown even more than it already was. Like, it was already happening. Like, uh, Yeah, one of the notes I made about the first movie is at the end, he's like, he says something like, everyone assumes success, so I hardly ever get praised. Yeah. No one wants me. Like, he... Shinji understands that these things are very transactional, that they're trying to get, like, motivate and manipulate him, but they don't really care about him. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's. Yeah. Uh, and also, LCL is just straight up blood at this point, right? 
Like, it, we're it all is, on that. It's 1,000% primordial soup. Uh, as, it. as my favorite end of Evangelion joke for the last 20 years has been, uh, you know, Chunky's primordial soup, the soup that eats like a person. <laughs> I, I also feel like, and, and we can talk about this when we get into later movies, I also feel like it's sort of a MacGuffin that does whatever you need it to do. True. Yeah. And and also, um, you know, there's a, a new story that came out several months back about how the Japanese were developing a way to uh, to breathe through your butthole, basically, that was inspired <laughs> by the LCL of Evangelion. So, you know, Shinji Rei and Oscar are ostensibly butt-chugging that stuff. <laughs> the idea of breathing through a liquid, like a liquid filling your lungs and breathe is is horrifying. Yes, it's just like so fucking passed over. It's just like, it you'll, is fuck, you'll get used to it. Horror. Like, how does she fucking know? She's never been in the fucking cockpit. Like, did, did she spend a couple of years in college? Just like, hey, let's let's go get fucked up. Let's let's go get high as shit. And then we're going to hang out in some LCL and, and just no. butt chug some LCL she after, feels like after we eat like a whole batch of pot brownies. I she feel studied like LCL this all her very life? good after a hangover, to treat a hangover. LCL. <laughs> Maybe Misato so, really just wishes she could have LCL because she gets hungover so goddamn much. Yeah, for uh, real. But, oh gosh, but, it would be so painful. Like, I was... As I was watching the movie, I did think about that, like, like they just kind of shove them in there, and they gloss over it, like, every time they shove a new character into the LCL. But your body would have to, you, you know, your body does not naturally uh, take in water. Like, if you no. pass unconscious and get thrown into a body You're going to have a panic your, attack. Your body will like, will not automatically suck in water. That's not something a mammal is designed to do. In fact, yeah, mammals have a specific response inside of us that keeps us from doing that. You're, you're gonna throw up in that LCL, and you're gonna be breathing that shit until until the fight's over. Yes. <laughs> also, also low key mystery that I wish Ono would have answered is like, okay, what if Shinji fart? Farted inside the uh, oh the bubble goes plug. up. Uh, well, bubble goes like, up. Okay, okay. Have you ever farted inside the shower? You know, do you know what an epic fuck up that is to fart in the shower when, especially <laughs> when it's like real hot and steamy, because that shit just stays on top oh. of you. Oh, I see what you're saying. I yeah, like... yeah. F- go ahead, go ahead and let one rip in some LCL and just, just oh, no, die. Be breathing that. <laughs> Yeah, just die. Just straight up die. <laughs> but again, I think from, from like the Ritsuko perspective, it's like, no, this substance has this property. We've 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 definitely tested this in animals and we know that this will do you know, she has the scientific version and who cares what your experience going in the entry plug yeah. filled with this? Yeah, stuff sure. Is. The penguin was fine afterwards. There's Pen Pen in the corner reading his newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> Technically this works. <laughs> All right, so we have now recorded for so long, everyone is now starting to sound like robots. So, <laughs> oh, no. So my suggestion is, because we've now, as of recording, we've broke 100 minutes. Oh, yeah. So oh, wow. I am going to call this an episode. Now, right. I think we're going to keep recording, y'all. Like, we're just going to make an extra podcast. But that also gives Anna 
two podcasts to edit versus one. I'd hate for her to have a 200-minute podcast. I told you I wanted to talk about Ava. Yeah. And I believed you. There's no, this is, there is no downside to this. I told I'm, you I wanted to talk about Ava. And I want you to talk about Ava. This is not, that's not, this is not a problem. This is just a new quandary for us to solve. And the solution is we're going to have apparently a, a 1.11 episode and then a 2.22 episode. And... I feel that is fine. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, I agree. So, with that, 1.11, I know, I might have mentioned 2.22 before, but you'll soon discover, or Bordy discovered, that was a lie. That's going to be the next <laughs> podcast. We had too much to say. Too it's, much it's to say. O- it's not the only lie about 2.22 that you're going to hear, but it's it's the most <laughs> recent one. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, we had to. Sorry, we didn't get to your questions. We had to talk about farting in LCL. Yeah, we had to talk about butt chugging <laughs> yeah, in ask LCL. I'm the sorry. Real questions. <laughs> but I just kind of wonder: once you fart into LCL, does that? Do you really smell that? Because you're already breathing in the existing LCL versus what's the the, the fart CL. Yeah, the the gas <laughs> the gas CL would theoretically bubble up to the top. If this is like primordial soup, this is probably very complex anyway. It probably smells like something rotten to begin with. I'm sure no, it's got. I, I know exactly it, what it smells like. Yeah, it smells like blood. Yeah. Yeah. That that that's, that's mentioned several times explicitly. Well, I I imagine it probably smells a lot like um, uh, oh what what's that stuff called? Uh mRNAs uh it's it's basically the protein soup that is inside your nucleus that has all the parts for the DNA uh the parts so that when the DNA is reading itself off the list it can uh it can produce the RNA to then go outside and do the thing yeah so I imagine it smells like RNA soup which smells like blood all right so how many awesomes out of awesome do we want to give 1.11 out of awesome, boom! I'm done. All right, y'all, y'all figure your your other your, your numbers out. <laughs> One awesomely fractal sniper angel who we didn't really hardly talk about. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, mm, I have so much more to talk about. Uh, yeah, because that fractal angel, like, that's like, it didn't occur to me because it's been so long since I watched the series, but that's probably the inception point for all like the Ozma kind of monsters you see nowadays is probably that angel i mean in the original show he was just kind of a a cube floating in the air and then in this one it's like oh it's okay he's there in the air then he starts super shape-shifting into wild fractals and blowing shit up and it's awesome <laughs> I-, I wonder if final fantasy 9 actually inspired them in this case that that's an interesting question Ooh. Okay. By timeline, that's more likely. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give it, um, God, uh, four open coffins on the moon out of awesome. <laughs> they I'm... even accounted for Super Robot Wars, Kauru. <laughs> I'm going to give it four, like, uh, six ish recapped episodes out of awesome. 
I'm gonna give it, I don't know, 50 gallons of butt chugging LCL out of awesome. <laughs> Basil's ending the episode just so we stop talking about this. <laughs> we'll, we'll spend the next hour talking about this. Yeah, little does he know. I have well, not yet begun to talk about butt chugging LCL. Cool. Well, we still have final thoughts. So if there's any more thoughts about 1.11 that you want to think about or saying, whether it's involving butt chugging or not, <laughs> that is up to you, well, my, my good gentleman. My final thoughts about 1.11 actually come down to that point you made about being a good jumping on point for Ava. Like, it's, it's a little bit cumbersome to make somebody go back to a to a 90s anime, even if it's peak 1990s anime. And, and, you know, with modern sensibilities, it's hard to make them go back and watch something like that, even if it's a masterwork of the genre like Ava is. So, so it would be really nice if there was a, a good summary movie for people to jump in on. And I, I do not know after having just watched it, I don't know that this is a good jump on place, but I can't think of a better jump on place. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of unavoidable that, like, you can't, you can't get thirteen hours out of content uh, of content smushed down without losing something. So it's yeah. a good setup point to the rest of the series, but I think you, you you're not going to get everything. You you should probably, if you like it, you should go back and watch the series and get some of that context but it's really like i think it's more going to deepen your understanding of the characters than anything like it's not necessarily you know diving into 26 episodes of what the hell am i watching what is happening it's (laughs) it's more filling in the gaps of of the characters and i really do think i don't know if studio kara planned this i don't know if this was part of Hideakiano's machinations, but the fact that we got the original Ava stuff last year on Netflix with a whole new dub cast, I think got a whole lot of folks actually watch Ava either again or for the first time. I think for a lot of folks, Ava is still incredibly relevant and still incredibly watchable. There might be some folks that jump off because it looks, quote, so old. But I think a lot of people, especially nowadays, are actually way more willing to give that the the quote older stuff a try. So I'll I'll defend until I die the statement that Ava is basically a masterwork of the animated genre. So I I think that the perfect jumping on point for Ava is still just watch Ava. Yeah. I mean, you know, jump in, you know. What is it? The thirtieth? It'll it'll be up by the time that this podcast posts. Uh, you might be able to get one of the other Blu-ray editions. So that's that's probably the way to go. Jump in. The LCL's fine. Yep. <laughs> Nobody's farted in it. That we know. It. Now they might have peed in it. Anyways, okay, Dylan. What are your thoughts? Final thoughts about um, one point one one. Man, I think I've I've pretty much covered everything. Like I said, if you've if you've seen the series a couple times, like there's not going to be a whole lot new. It's going to be a good refresher for what comes next. 
like I said, there was there was nothing that was just like huge for me in the movie. There there was very little. Um, it's it's definitely like the animation's nicer. They get to build a much bigger world um, than you do with the series, and and um, put some weight on on different points in the story. But you know, I can't think of anything else, <laughs> anything more than that. That is fine, Kevin. Um, no thoughts. Only trapezoid angels. Um, no, <laughs> seriously. As much as I, I like, I think that's Ramiel. Uh, as much as I like, um, I think it is a, it. I think it does a really good job of setting you up for what is to come. And sort of sort of starts making you feel comfortable almost. And okay, I remember Ava. This is nice, you know, <laughs> as nice as Ava ever is. You know, it's a it it makes you feel like it's familiar. There's a little comfort element to that, but you know, it's just these little tiny things that are different from what you remember. Little pacing things are different. Little story elements are different create a little subconscious unease just to go along with the theme of Ava. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Although, you know, I commented on the TV show, so I'm going to do it again. They amped up their fan service a little. <laughs> Yet one more time. And they're going to keep doing it. But and it's like, huh, okay. So we're actually going to show the fully naked Ray this time. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. That's yeah. that's some people's fan service. No, my fan now, service was that freaking fractal ass awesome looking yeah. angel where I will I, I will spin around and refute my own opinion with that. I I I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be uncomfortable as hell. You're supposed to like feel really uncomfortable with that, just like Shinji is. Boy, so, I hope I, so. I'm going to, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, what is that? Uh, I'm going to apply best faith reasoning to the scene. <laughs> well, no, I'm 100% I, I certain that, that the entire thing with Ray is supposed to make you feel vaguely uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, I, I just feel like it's kind of a case of, you know, Ava did this for, strong artistic reasons, even in the original series of like the fan, the quote unquote fan service elements were done deliberately to induce certain emotional unease. And every other show that came after it completely missed the point. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So my final thoughts are first, yes, fractal angel, stupidly awesome. Um, is one of the few times where I go, okay, CG and anime can be good. Actually. Yeah. I usually do, I'm not the one to say that, but I actually kind of love just how CG as the angels are. It really gives me, like, a degree of otherworldliness to it Yeah. that yeah. I really yeah. appreciate. Secondly, I, I kind of wonder, does Unit 00 hate Rey? Because I think Unit 00 hates Gendo. I think <laughs> Unit Zero Zero's really annoyed. It does not get to be a cute girl. And so instead, it wants to bash his head into Gendo's face. Okay, fair point, fair point. I, I Three, think that, like we all do. Like I think that Unit Zero is actually, and she mentions this, trying to attack Ritsuko. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, mainly surrounding um, Ray's interesting history with the Akagi family and the fact that she is so reliant on Ritsuko for her constant maintenance. You know, she's it's it's never really gone into but you know you see she's got like all these pills and stuff that she has to take and mm-hmm. you know she's maintaining a clone is difficult it, it just is you know it's, it's not something that we really appreciate oh uh, yeah yeah all right so um, any also, other I, I just wanted to say um in the words of jonathan colton uh he's one badass fucking fractal <laughs> <laughs> any other final thoughts john when i first watched it watched it it gave me a lot of interesting things to chew on as as it promised uh a new story of the four movies um this one is ostensibly the weakest just because you know what to expect by and large there are a couple of surprises and twists here and there but it's like okay yeah i i pretty much know what's going on here um, some people will say 3.33 is the worst. I say it might be the best. We'll we'll have that discussion later on. Oh, I don't. Yeah, yeah. But that's for another podcast. In fact, now a fourth podcast because our episode three is actually going to be about episode 2.22. I didn't quite realize that. I figure since 1.1 was such a recap movie, w- could we really? I shouldn't have doubted ourselves, really. Yeah, yeah I initially um, imagined us just buzzing. I initially imagined us just buzzing past 1.11 pretty quickly. but No one boy, could we... have predicted the LCL fart discussion. Yeah. <laughs> so. No one... But this, this is one of the been... most on-brand Ava things to go, yeah, whole extra podcast, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, this has been the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome, including LCL farts. Our the editing masterfully done by the wonderful Anna. You can find her at all places that you can find Anna on, which we'll talk about on things like Twitter. Our theme song is done by DJ Inavito. You can find his stuff at djinavito.com. Also on Twitch, we have our own website. It's called The Awesome Cast, osmcast.com. We also do have a Patreon. Please. Go there, and if you would like to, give us some money. We'd really appreciate it. Or if you want to support us without giving us money, come join the Discord. Talk to us. We have all sorts of fun conversations over there. Or potentially, leave us an Apple Podcast review. Apple Podcasts are the last places that they actually do reviews for, and the reviews directly influence where we are when you look up, say, anime or evangelion podcasts so those reviews are super useful i'm on twitter at its basal time kevin where are you at twitless underscore kevin dylan where you at at dylan wolf john at j5 is live j the number five is live and speaking of john you also do stuff on twitch that's true, twitch.tv slash theservg. We stream Wednesdays and Fridays, 7 to 11, sometimes later, sometimes random uh, streams pop up. You know, hit that hit that subscribe button if you got Amazon Prime. Throw us that free, that free sub. Uh, mash that follow button so you know when we go live. 
and do the same thing for me at its basal time because I'm now doing this the Twitch streaming thing. Kind of, sort of, I think I'm doing it. Anyways, I did it once today. I'm trying this stuff on Tuesdays and Thursdays from about noon to 4 p.m. Central Time. Also, I should have mentioned earlier, Anna's also on Twitter, which is Angel Darkfire, but the middle A is missing. Also, she has an Etsy store at Nana Cake, so if you want some cool vinyls or various crafty things, definitely check that out. And until next time, we out. You got me there, Doug. I haven't seen 3.33, but if it, they start breaking out into musical numbers, that will be incredibly impressive. And I wonder... increasingly more cartoony as the show goes on. And yet still be good. Still have an interesting storyline, even if you think the characters are goofy and are not into the Disney songs. Without giving anything away... Um... I, w- I would say there are some similarities to Centaur World in terms of tonal shift. 